This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Okay, hello and welcome to the uh, Blueprint Review Can Special, <coughs> Episode 2, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, yeah, we're still in Cannes. It is, what day is it? Is it Friday? Friday. It's Friday, so getting towards the end of the festival, but um, still have plenty of films to watch. Last year we did podcasts pretty much every day. Yeah, we've been a bit lazy this time. It's hard to find the time. But uh, yeah, tomorrow and Sunday we should cram in a few uh, of the reruns of the films. But, um, but yeah, we're going to do a big catch-up session, so uh, it might take a while. We're going to chat about the films you watch. watched. I've watched shitloads. You guys have watched a lot as well. Um, so, yeah, let's get started. What first? What was the first film you saw in Cannes, Dave? The first film I saw in Cannes. Um, and a couple of these people who actually read the site, I've, I've done some brief reviews of these on the site already, so I might skim over a few that these guys haven't <laughs> seen. Uh, but the first, first film I saw in Cannes was Shield of Straw, uh, which is Takashi Miike's latest film um, and it was entered in the comp- main competition yeah uh, this was pretty shit really <laughs> it was it was I, I couldn't believe it was it was entered into the competition to be honest it was just it's just a really sort of basic cheesy sort of action thriller um, which I mean I, I like those kind of films so it doesn't bother me but it was mainly because it was in competition it was just like it just didn't make any sense. And, to be honest, even even if it was just a cheesy straight-to-DVD action movie that I watched at a video weekend or something, it still wasn't a good one. It was it was, it was was a bit dull. It was way too long. Um, it was just kind of cheesy over the top. And the worst thing that it did was it just didn't really make any sense. <laughs> so some of the things that happened were just totally illogical, and the characters' sort of actions and things were just ridiculous. But very quickly, I mean, what's it about? What's it's just crap. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, it, it, it's about... The concept's actually quite good. Um, it's about this this guy this um, this guy this nutcase murders rapes and murders this young this little girl uh, and the, but the little girl's grandfather is this mega rich sort of a uh, mega important uh, guy basically and um, and they they figure out who it is um, who murdered her quite quickly. Uh, and uh, what happens is the um, the rich sort of billionaire grandfather uh, puts out this thing on the on, on in the newspaper and online. He sets up a website and stuff, saying uh, if if any whoever kills the person who killed my granddaughter, uh, I'm going to give you a billion yen. Um, but what happens is the guy turns himself in, and um, because straight away, obviously, people are trying to kill him. Uh, he, he turns himself into the police. And he, um, yeah, I was talking rubbish when he said they caught him really quickly. He turns himself in. Um, and they, uh, so the police have to protect him, uh, even though they know he's the killer and all this stuff. He's, he's, an, he's a psycho. But they want to bring him to justice properly. They can't just let the sort of people tear him apart. So they need to sort of protect him. Um, but obviously he needs to move from where they catch I can't remember the exact details, but from where they catch him, from where he turns himself in, over to the sort of the main courthouse justice 
whatever it's called. Um, so yeah, so basically they've got to transport him across the country uh, without him getting killed. And obviously, billion yen at stake. Everyone wants to get him. There's loads of psychos trying to murder him. Loads of like police policemen and stuff um, who were supposed to be helping transport him turn and all this sort of stuff. The concept itself is actually really good. Uh, it's just the delivery of it's so poor. It's just. It's just not really anything good about it. The direction's really pedestrian. It's very bland. It just looks bland. It's it's not very exciting. It's too long. It's just... It, it was really, really poor. Um, so, yeah, not a great start. Sounds a bit like Safe House. Yeah, I've not seen Safe House. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've only a little bit like it. but uh, So, um, pretty much awful than the exact, exact opposite of what Ken is usually about. Yeah. Which, in normal circumstances, this is quite an exciting proposition. Cause yeah, that's why I was quite keen to see it. I mean, I'd seen it, it got some bad reviews, but I was like, oh, it sounds fun. I mean, whatever, let's let's kick off Can with a Bang sort of thing and Can with a Bang. Uh, but no, it was, it was pretty dire. Pretty dodgy. Okay, so then, then what was that followed up with? Followed up with uh, Miela, which we all watched, uh, actually, yeah. so we could all chat about this. And just in time, uh, James has come out of the bathroom um, to join us because he watched it too <laughs> um, but yeah uh, the next thing we'll chat about is uh, miel miel I don't know pronounce it it's honey in French isn't it it's male male it's yeah. Italian <laughs> is no it isn't it's French it's miel it's yeah. honey miel cool and this I is, think it's both it's uh, with an extra e. yeah it's, it's part of the uh, uncertain 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 regard well, <laughs> he was it in the most northern yeah, accent yeah it all went wrong I was trying to do French yeah you're not so. very good at accents over the last ten minutes are you Dave <laughs> we won't talk about the, the racism <laughs> that preceded this podcast <laughs> to our very close Chinese friend who's with us at the moment oh, um, yeah. Chong um yeah so Miao just a very quick synopsis it um covers um a girl um called, I can't remember a real name now Mian. no no that's yeah. it no, that's not the character's name. Oh, the character's name, no, yeah. yeah. Name, so anyway, her code name is Mia. What she does, she had, it's her job, but it also seems like it's a much more of a, sort of an, a, a, a kind of a passion in life as well. So what, what she does, she, is she helps people, um, commit suicide. She assists suicide. She gets this, an over-the-counter medicine from Mexico, um, which is used to put down dogs, and she then gives it and gives instructions and guides and, and helps people to kill them kill themselves um, specifically people who are terminally ill who can't continue and she then gives it to this uh, man and she finds out that the man isn't terminally ill at all he just wants to kill himself but this goes completely against their morality and her ethics and why she does the job so the story then is a sort of a relationship between them two but it's a it, it delves into this case of you know of her trying to n- convince him not to kill himself and you know the kind of reasons behind everything and that's a general census um james this was the first film you saw is that right yes it was the first time i saw in can i was very impressed i was very impressed with it it was a daring subject matter is a topical subject matter <laughs> it was handled um in a sensitive way it was it had a balanced approach to the arguments for and against assisted suicide. It had a very charismatic lead performance. Um, the the central protagonist, um, I'm, I'm afraid I don't know the actress's name, was essentially on camera almost the entire movie. Jasmine uh, Trinka. And, um, you know, she, she was delightful. Um, super, super actress. Um, my, my main problem with the film is it tended to meander a little um, between the various assisted suicide scenes, 
of which there are three or four. And um, there are lots of superfluous um, shots and footage of, 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 of Miel cycling to and from various locations with the wind through her hair and... Um, you know, yeah, sitting in the reeds and stuff like that. A few s- Terence Malick style. Yeah, thing. precisely. And I think it, had some of those been cut, the film would have been a tauter, more more um, emotional experience. But as it stood, it was it was slightly ponderous because of that. Yeah. Um, it wasn't too bad though. It didn't feel because I mean it wasn't that crazily long or anything, so it kind of got away with it. But yeah, no, I, I'd agree. It yeah, was a bit, it and could have done it tightening up. Furthermore, there were a few. Um, contrivances towards mm. towards the end of the screenplay that was yeah. somewhat convenient in order to you know in order to <clears throat> deliver the film's yeah. the film's final the, message. The very final moment was wasn't sort of, was a bit or oh, clumsily sort of set up earlier on, which kind of annoyed me. But having yeah. having said that, it had a superb central performance. It had it had one or two absolutely fantastic electric scenes. With high emotion, very cinematic that particular scenes, and then and, and also it had my favourite line of the whole festival, um, which I'm not going to misquote here. I Try. Watch the film. There's a great line. There's a great line in the film that really got me, brought a tear to my eye, and it was you know it was one of the yeah. highlights of the festival. As, as but, well, <laughs> I think for me as well, it's, it's the, the the actual sort of subject matter and the way it handled it was interesting. It wasn't something you've really seen handled in a film before, so it was it was interesting to watch. It was very adult, sort of intelligent and uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. But as I say, there were just a few problems. It could have been a lot tighter, so I didn't it wasn't didn't blow me away. It but felt, worth checking out. But definitely worth it. It's definitely one, of the, one of the one of the stronger films we've seen, yeah. Yeah, I mean I haven't got too much to add really I kind of uh, agree with it all. <clears throat> From the ponderous to the sort of kind of um, kind of beauty of it, um, I suppose. <clears throat> although it's in, in relation to it, mo- most things I've seen, most things and and in canon in general, it tend to be quite ponderous. I'm sure the word ponderous can turn up in pretty yeah. much every film we talk about. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. today. Um, but so taking into everything into account, although it does have those sort of faults, actually, it's still one of the leanest sort of films. Yeah, yeah. First of all, it's it still engrossed me more than most because of the subject matter, because it's handled well, and because there was genuine sort of emotion in the sort of story. And yeah, I think I think I think it's one of those experiences where what worked in the film was so good that you kind of wanted the whole film to. It's like one of those almost masterpieces. Yeah, really. it's more frustrating yeah. because it could have been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think it was just quite noticeable because it was quite. I mean. I don't want to say it was simple because it wasn't a simple film. There's quite a lot of depth to it, but in terms of the actual structure and the sort of scenes, it, it wasn't a very complicated plot. There wasn't a huge amount going on, so it, so it made sort of these scenes when something wasn't really happening stand out. For yeah, me. I mean, one of the central themes of the one of the central discussions in the film was: is it is it acceptable to assist in a suicide for somebody who is tired of life, someone who isn't? Who isn't actually terminally ill, but has just literally lived a full life, um, isn't particularly depressed, but just has nothing else to live for and just doesn't want to to carry on. Mm. And that those kind of arguments are um, quite uh, explicitly revealed by certain characters, which is a bit clumsy. too bit, bit clumsy, a bit too much exposition. Perhaps not necessarily needed need spelling out quite so much. And also the character in question. Um, perhaps 
didn't convince entirely that he was suicidal at all. Yeah. That, that was, that was one of the, the idea because it was so sort of like it wasn't supposed to be a typical sort of. But there were some issues I but thought yeah, with it, it with odd. the complete execution of the of the story. It's one yeah. of those you know near misses that could have been great, but just was actually very very good. Okay, um, James, me and you, um, we saw um, Sorrentino's new film, oh, The yeah. Great Beauty. Um, it's in competition. Yeah. What did you think? Tell us. Tell us what it's about. Tell us what it's about. Okay, I'll t- I'll tell you what about. Yeah. But, right. First of all, this for me, I think was my highlight of the festival. This this was my favourite film. Of the, I haven't seen any Paolo Sorrentino films before. I didn't know what to expect. I'd only just arrived in Cannes. I'd seen I'd seen Miel um, earlier that day, I think. And um, it was beautiful. It was cinematic. It had a wonderful current of humour running throughout. Brilliant, brilliant film. Um, what, it, what it's about, it's about <clears throat> a wealthy privileged um, Italian socialite who was a former author in his in his youth and he published a single book that led him to some local notoriety in Italy and um, he basically spent the rest of his life riding on the tail of his of his former success going to parties you know um, showboating as a as a part-time journalist but not really accomplishing anything else why because he's having too much fun in the superficial glitzy high life of um the roman cognoscenti swanning around with the in the literature parties and with artists and movie stars and getting drunk every night and bedding different women basically living the high life of a bachelor um for the almost the entirety of, of his life, like we are introduced to him when he's when he's over the age of sixty five. You know, he's approaching, if not older than seventy. And the film opens with his birth with a birthday party for him, and he is, you know, he's the man about town. Everybody knows this guy, and uh, he's having a great time. And the film really explores not only his relationship with glitz and superficiality and hedonism but explores his relationship to the city of rome as well and how and how it's changed him over the years and uh, toward, not giving anything away towards the end of the film it, it tries to introduce notions of of uh, spirituality and how he could have perhaps lived a more fulfilling life than the life he chose and um it's a it's a truly witty, beautiful cinematic film. It's light. It reminded me of uh, Federico Fellini, Eight and a Half, and um, I, I think that was perhaps intentional in some of the scenes. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was wicked. I'll let Diane explain a little bit more about some of the scenes in particular. But um, I really really enjoyed it. It was a beautiful film. It put a smile on my face, and I was, you know, really indulgent cinema. I loved it. Um, yeah, I mean, I echo most of that. Maybe not such quite high praise, but but I do. Um, I mean, just I'll cling on to the spirituality thing that you said that creeps in towards the end. I think it's actually there. It's in there in the opening shot, in the yeah, opening yeah. scene, actually, um, with that choral, this sort of... Oh, yeah. Quite yeah. operatic opening, swooping cameras, swooping around this beautiful building. Um, and so in those teased throughout as it builds towards the end and then that alongside 
what are the you know the, these colourful, vibrant sort of uh, kind of kind of amazing energy um, um, in, in as we kind of explore his life. For me, the mix of the two don't work, and I will just cut all that spirituality bullshit out. <laughs> um, in all honesty, because the energy. Um, and like you said, the wit, it's very funny, it's very witty, um, and I love the energy. I mean, the second scene, the real opening scene, that's sort of like a, as the credits are sort of coming in, um, but the real opening scene is this birthday pie that James mentioned, um, and if it was described to me, I would think it'd probably be one of the, you know, I'd think that is everything, I, I would hate that, but for some reason, in it, it's this party, every, it's, you, you're literally just exploring every character, and at the time, you just think it's a, it's a crowd, but then actually, over the course of the film, they're all his friends, and we, we go back to these people over and over, but at the beginning, we're just exposed to all these characters, they're dancing, they're interacting, um, and it just, in the, like I say, it's got so much energy, the music is great, and his, introduc- his introduction into the group is brilliant, it's slightly over the top, it's slightly heightened, but it's just... It's just an amazing opening to a film. Um, and then it ends in this sort of dance number that everyone partakes in, and it's just so bold. But, um, but it's brilliant for that. And the film does that throughout. There's loads yeah. of scenes. Like, um, um, it, it, there's no real plot to it, in all honesty. It is an absolute character study, and it hints at change, but actually it still doesn't even do that. It's just, you know, he is who he is, and this is his life. Um, and he... he, he the, he, these sort of social gatherings always are, are accompanied by these art, like art installations or art events, and they are fantastic. They are absolutely brilliant and so bombastic, and again, not you know, kind of heightened reality. Um, and then that mixed with other sort of kind of things. When you said that, it's about him and about his sort of hedonistic life and his love of the glitz, and it's actually it does break out into a bit, it being more about society in sometimes yeah, in more yeah, obvious yeah. ways, but it is about our love for the material. And but it's, it sounds preachy, but it isn't. It's done with so much wit, I, actually. So much class. Yeah, it's it's you know like Brazil deals with a similar thing, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah Brazil yeah, yeah. deals with yeah, yeah. similar themes actually, and it is quite similar. You know, in a weird, you know, obviously that's quite a fantastical adventure. You know, but. But it actually deals with a very similar premise yeah, 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 um, yeah. to that. Um, but um, so, so for me, <clears throat> that side I absolutely loved. I th- it was it kind of made me laugh. It was you know, yeah. and it was vibrant, and, and it-, it did drift off into sort of fantasy, almost like like some of the scenes were verging on the. Oh, that's what I mean by a heightened reality. It wasn't yeah. quite. It was sort of real, like these art events, but it was a little bit over the top. The performance style across the board was a little bit. A little the bit characters were larger than yeah. life, and it, but it was. You know, we'll maybe get onto this about another film, but it was a consistent performance style, yeah. um, and it worked brilliantly. But then, that, then it adds this again. We're in another keyword: ponderous <laughs> side, where it's floating around and yeah. slowing and grinding to a halt. Um, it was about half an hour too long. Yeah, if it could, it, it could it, again. Like was like you was on about Miel. It was half half an hour off, and it could have been truly stunning film. Um, but overall, just the more I think about it, when I, what's what yeah. I'm reminded of is the sort of great scenes, and it is leaving a great impression. The more I think about it, yeah, cool. check it out, check it out. Well, uh, uh, you guys jumped ahead a bit actually, because I saw two films before you guys watched that. Yeah, I watched um, uh, on the same evening that we watched uh, Miel. I, I watched uh, the, one of the Cannes classic films. I watched uh, The Last Detail. Um, it, it's, it's obviously it's a film from the 70s, uh, so I won't go into too much detail. I'll just quickly whiz over. But uh, it's basically Hal Ashby directed it. Uh, it's got Jack Nicholson and Randy Quaid in. 
uh, and it's basically about uh, Jack Nicholson and uh, is it Otis Young or something? There's a, another, uh, not a very well known actor who who with him. And uh, but yeah, but basically these these two guys who are in the navy, uh, they're given the task of taking Randy Quaid, uh, this sort of young sort of naval recruit uh, and what have you. Sort of they have to take him to. Uh, he's basically stolen some money, um, and he has they have to take him to prison, which is sort of. Uh, way up the sort of a couple of states up, um, up the country, up the coast. Um, so yeah, so it's a bit of a, a road movie kind of. It's, it's the two of them taking him up to prison, but they sort of feel sorry for him because his uh, <coughs> his crime is pretty minor, but he's getting like eight years in the in the sort of military jail for it, and they don't think it's fair. And they, Jack Nicholson especially, is a bit of a sort of a. It, it, it sort of against the authority and a bit of a sort of just likes to get pissed and all this sort of stuff. So they decide to sort of live it up for the next couple of days before he goes to prison. Um, so they get a hotel room, they get hookers and get pissed and all this sort of stuff. Because this young lad is, is very, Randy Quaid is very like shy and hasn't had much experience in life. So they try to give him these experiences before he goes to jail. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah, I mean, I have a real soft spot for sort of 70s cinema like this. So I, I'm always going to like it. But uh, but it's very it's, it's it's very good. I mean, it's it's not the greatest seventies film there is. Um, it's a bit meandering, but it's uh, it's got a real nice free wheeling sort of quality to it. The the sort of band it just goes purely on the banter between the um, the three of them is brilliant. Uh, Jack Nicholson's on top form, uh, and the other two are great as well. Randy Quaid is surprising because obviously I know him better from sort of National Lampoon films and all this sort of stuff, and as being these zany sort of character characters but in this he's really quiet and shy this sort of innocent young sort of boy and it's it's very strange to watch him um, but he's, he does a very good job so really it's a character piece it's sort of uh, as well as a road movie and uh, yeah it, i thought it was great but i won't go into detail it's an old film it check, check pretty, it out sounds awesome it, it is it's great it's probably the best film i've seen you can but uh, <laughs> but it, obviously it, it's uh, it's a classic uh, is but, it a comedy is it a poignant sort of thing it, it, i mean it's it's it, it's got comic moments in there. It's, it's funny, but it's not. It's not a comedy. I mean, it's a drama. It, it's just. Uh, but you've got all the banter between the lads and stuff like that, which makes it makes it funny. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely definitely worth a watch. Uh, the other film I watched that night. Oh, I've just forgot the title, so just give us a sec. Is um, Our Heroes Died Tonight, uh, which is part of the Critics Critics Week. Uh, yeah, this was this was a, a quite unusual film. Uh, it's basically a it's about two wrestlers, but like masked wrestlers. So this is set in the sixties um, in France. Is it France? Yeah, uh, it's set in the sixties in France, uh, and it's the sort of masks me- me- Mexican style wrestlers, um, old school wrestling, and it's about their sort of relationship between these two wrestlers. They're, they're friends. Uh, but on stage, they're like enemies. Uh, and, and the one who plays the bad guy, the sort of black-masked one, wants to be the white-masked one, uh, the, the the white spectre, whatever he's called. Um, and, yeah, it, it sort of goes on from there. But what's interesting about it is it's got this quite... sounds quite a silly, sort of zany sort of concept, but it does it all totally straight, and it does it all in a style of an ultra-stylish film noir. Um, so it's all... It's black and white, real beautiful high contrast photography it looks incredible and and uh yeah and it, so it's, it's 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 very unusual and, and when i say film noir i think it's more a case of uh, especially in the notes sort of with the film uh it's definitely sort of aimed more at the french 
it's 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 an homage of an homage, if you know what I mean. It's it's more aimed at the French film noir that that was influenced by the American film noir. So it's um oh my brain's gone, forgotten his name. Uh but yeah, that's the whole thing. I've forgotten the name of the director I wanted to talk about. But uh yeah, so so again, this does mean because it's based on these sort of French film noirs from like the sixties, um uh, it again, like a lot of the films we've talked about and we're gonna go talk about, it does get a bit ponderous. There's a lot of sort of slow musings on on life and everything and there's a lot of these dream uh, there's a lot of these sort of dream scenes which are very like not a lot going on uh, but at the same time it it it, it kind of works here because that's it's an obvious clear style that's going for and it sort of fits the mold um so yeah i did quite like it it's, it's very stylish um quite entertaining but it is a bit it was a bit slow uh, I wouldn't say it, f- it fully hugely engaged me because it, it, it did plod along a bit. I think, but a, a big problem though was not necessarily the film. But I think watching such a sort of uh, quite a, a, a slow moving film, um, a moody sort of film uh, at 10 o'clock at night, which is when I saw it, was a bit of a mistake because I was knackered. I'd, I'd been traveling the day before. So I, I, I imagine if I watched it again with a sort of fresher eyes, um, I might appreciate it more. But um, but still, saying that, I did think it was solid and, and interesting sort of little genre piece. Was uh, it on certain regard? No, it was the Critics critics Week. And what was it? What's it called again? That one? Uh, Our Heroes Died Tonight. Our Heroes Died Tonight. Yeah, well, I'm seeing this translation. Uh, yeah. So cool, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, wor- it's, it's worth a watch. It's an unusual film, though. I'm not sure if it's going to get picked up... Um, but I, I've seen some. I've seen Twitch um, talk about it, so it's getting a, a little bit of minor buzz here and there. So yeah, cool. Check it out. Uh, and actually, I'll carry on with another film that I saw that you guys didn't, um, because it was on at the same time as as the Great Beauty, or it was. It was. I went to go instead of watching that. I decided to watch um, Be Behind the Candelabra, as the Steven Soderbergh's supposedly his final film, or at least he's going to have a break, uh, but possibly his final film in the director's chair. Uh, and it is a biopic of Liberace, the uh, sort of famous piano player and entertainer uh, back in the day. Um, yeah, and it's, um, although I would say uh, it's not necessarily just a biopic about his whole life, it's only really set in the last sort of decade of his life. And it, it really just spans, it doesn't go into that much detail about his career. There's no career progression or anything there. He's already quite famous. It's, it, it's him in his later stages where he just pl- he's just playing Las Vegas constantly sort of thing. Uh, but it's more about the relationship between him and uh, the character that Matt Damon plays. I can't, I can't remember the name of the person that he's, um, I'm afraid. Uh, but it's about their relationship. I mean, at, at the time, this is Liberace uh, in his final decade. So he, he's an old guy sort of in his 60s or 70s or, however, or whatever. And, um, and Matt Damon's a sort of a young... I don't know, 30-year-old or whatever he is at the start of the film. And uh, he sort of comes and meets Liberace and they uh, they, they, they fall in love, basically, and uh, they have this sort of long relationship, but it's quite a complex one, um, an unusual one. I mean, not just the sort of age difference. It, it's um, He kind of uses... Um, a, uh, Matt Damon's character becomes like a, a bit of a sun figure to him as well, so it's, it's a bit creepy, it's a bit strange at times. Um but yeah, the relationship sort of goes on from then, and 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 obviously goes a bit tits up and spiral spirals out of control later on. Um, yeah, and yeah, what does I think about it? I it's an unusual one. It's a very solid film. It's very it's very well made. Uh, I mean, the direction is 
is is very sort of well controlled and stuff. Uh, visually, it looks very good. It's sort of I mean, it's obviously uh, being based on Liberace was a ridiculously camp sort of figure. Uh, the film is full of sequins and and uh, uh, rhinestones or whatever and all this sort of stuff. It's very sort of tacky, but he still managed to make it look quite beautiful, but remain, retaining that sort of tackiness. Uh, and it is a nice looking film. Uh, it's also very well performed. Michael Douglas got a lot of buzz after the screen saying he could get the uh, Best Actor award, and he might. He's very good. Um, obviously, Mega Camp. Uh, <laughs> Which is needed the character, but to be honest, personally, I think I'd prefer uh, Matt Damon. I think he was he was very good. It's quite interesting that they cast Michael Douglas in that role because he's kind of known for his his aggress almost aggressive ma- masculine yeah, like het- yeah. heterosexuality. I guess that's why he's getting so much attention that's because cool. it's it is quite out of character. It hadn't really occurred to me before, but you know he has a background of films like Basic Instinct, and, Wall you know, Street, and Wall like that, Street, yeah. precisely. And he's I mean he's a self confessed sex addict. Isn't he at least yeah. in a former life? So it's curious to play this m- yeah. mega camp, and yeah, also so. and also it's interesting as a companion piece for Steven Soderbergh to do this so shortly after Magic Mike. He seems to have this these kind of exploring themes of you know um, homoeroticism and and you know male sexuality. Yeah. And mm, interesting, yeah. interesting that he's taken this route towards the end of his career. Yeah. And speaking of interesting, uh, that's my main problem with the film, though, was, to be honest, it sort of, I didn't find it that interesting. I find the relationship, um, I think when I was describing it earlier, made it sound more interesting than it was, but the kind of, um, I think the relationship, when you think about the relationship itself, it was, it was, it is interesting, but I think the film itself, it sort of follows the usual sort of, usual sort of little stepping stones and milestones to the relationship and it's it's obvious where it's going and and it, it just felt a bit cliched and it didn't really engage me it was a bit like i've seen this story before okay okay the setting's a bit different you and uh and it looks nice it's well performed but it just didn't really do much for me it's so uh, I, I mean i'm not i'm really not into biopics maybe people more into that style that sort of film we would be more into it, but I mean, it's fascinating. If you look at Steven Soderbergh's career, he seems to he has this. He did. Am I right in thinking he did a film about fairly recently about a global disease epidemic? Am I right in thinking? Contagion. Yeah, yeah, contagion. Was that Steven Soderbergh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he did that, and he did Traffic about the drugs trade, and he did um, Side Effects. Yeah. Which was about you know the the drugs industry and all of them and, are and shit it, films. And it, yeah, and he's done Contagion, which presumably would require some form of medication to solve some sort of cure. I mean, I've not seen Contagion, um, and he's so, done a lot so, of small indie ones in between as well. He's, he's quite a diverse but filmmaker. He, but, but if you notice, he's got this he's he's got this fixation with sort of drugs and medication and illness on the one hand, and then he does these kind of very sexually curious films. He did the film with Sasha Grey, you know, the, 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 well, the about the porn star, and he did Magic Mike I mean, he's very first. About, about he, male stripping. He did Sex, Lies, and Videotapes. Yeah, obviously, is what made him famous and, and kicked his career off. So it's either, to me, my mind, he's kind of focused on, on drugs and disease and... And on the other hand, he's, well, not particularly disease, but, you know, particularly on drugs. Uh, he focuses on drugs and medications and chemicals and that sort of thing. On the other hand, he's, he, he seems to do these very, 
like sexually curious films about you know pornography, porn stars, call girls, male strippers, you know gay entertainers, and then of course sex lies and videotapes, which was his big springboard to fame in the first place. Yeah. And I'm wondering. Um, in fact, I haven't seen sex lies and videotapes. I have not for a long time. And I'm wondering I've what that was it. like. If if any themes that he explored at the start of his career. It's a long time since resi- I've seen it. I mean, God, yeah. You know, if this is his self-confess, if this is, by his own admission, going to be his last film, it, I'd be interested to actually go back and revisit his over and, um, you know, try and f- figure out... Tr- tr- well, you'll find something in it anyway, even if it's not there. So. Yeah, try and inter- interpret his development over his ideas of sexuality over the course of his films, which he, which he has been exploring. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sex, Lives and Videotapes, I, I might be wrong, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but that's more about, isn't it James Spader interviewing people about their sex life? It's just him sort of asking people to open up ahead of its time, telling so. them about that sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess even then, straight away, uh, yeah, I've never thought of that actually before because he is a director where you tend to find his films are very diverse. Don't seem to have much to do with it. I, I'm not other. massive on him. He's got his odd, odd classic, obviously. Yeah, but I, films, I don't but like most of his films. Yeah, I would say he's. Yeah, I think he, he's maybe he spreads himself a bit thin. I mean, what was his most successful one? Traffic. Ocean's no, no, Eleven as well. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. And Ocean's Eleven. Was it Outside? Outside's a great film. Yeah, Outside's a great film. Yeah, cool. But yeah, anyway, that's what I thought. I, 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 it's well presented, well directed, but um, just didn't really grab me. Just not a very interesting story. It just didn't feel like a story that really needed to be told. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but it's solid enough. It's not a bad film by any means. But cool. What did you guys? What did you watch after that? Let's have a little. Gander, try to think. Try to do them in order. Not that it really matters. No, it doesn't really matter. Well, uh, um, oh, oh. Well, we <laughs> another, another one I saw that you guys did. Bloody hell, the Dave show. Uh, when all the viewers sign out. <laughs> I think after then it, we sort of stick together a bit more. But uh, yeah, the the next film I saw again, it's one I've written up on the site. Uh, it is uh, Wackolder, Wackolder, however you pronounce it. Um, this is in uncertain regard as well. Uh, it's basically about a family who uh, is set in the 1960s. Uh, a family moved to Patagonia um, uh, to a, a strange village that's also... It's like a German village within Patagonia, uh, like a German-occupied village. Um, and this family moved there because uh, the, the sort of mother of the family has, grew up there and uh, they have a hotel that they open. Um and someone they meet along the way who ends up moving into the hotel with them is this sort of strange doctor, uh, this German doctor. Uh, and he seems quite nice enough, uh, but he's got a strange sort of interest in the daughter of the family. It's a little bit creepy. Um, and I don't want to give too much away because part of what I like about the film is the sort of mystery sort of gradually unfolding. Uh, but basically, it becomes more and more sinister. Not just the doctor, but the sort of... this things going on in the village in general um, and and it all sort of unfolds from there because you, you, I mean from an early point you sort of see some Nazi sort of things here and there in the village so um, there's obviously some sort of weird Nazi link going on um, yeah uh, but I won't go on it I won't go into more detail um, but yeah I liked this a lot this is uh, uh, this is one of my favourites of the festival actually one of my favourite of the newer films um, it's as I mentioned before, one of the main things I just appreciated about it was the, the sort of sense of mystery uh, and tension. There's a, a, tension's just 
it's slowly cranked up throughout and throughout the film really nicely. Uh, there's a great sense of mystery. Um, it's it's just quite an interesting sort of unusual sort of story. Uh, it's very well presented. You know, it looks nice. It's shot shot well and all this sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it was just a real solid, entertaining, tight sort of film. Whereas a lot of the other stuff, as we say, has been a bit ponderous. This was quite tight and uh, always sort of on on edge. Uh, the only thing I would say that let it down uh, is to the is really how it how it all tied up is the finale. I mean, it, it kind of ends with with a sort of a big revelation um, to the characters, uh, but the revelation is something that really the audience worked out a long time ago, and it, it kind of it, it just made the ending quite anticlimactic. Because as I say, this it's quite a tense sort of. Uh, sort of, it's, it's sort of a quietly tense thriller. I mean, it's not like an action-packed sort of affair. Um, it's more of one of these simmering under the surface sort of things. Uh, but there's all this tension, and then the actual eventual payoff is pretty, pretty weak because we're it's revealed to us too early on. Uh, but saying that, it's still it's entertaining. It's it's solidly made. It's uh, it's definitely sort of the most. Enjoy, uh, enjoyable is a funny word. It makes it sound light and fluffy, but it, which it isn't. Yeah. It's quite dark. But yeah. um, I think this film that you're talking about has just been acquired. I think the film that you're talking about has just been acquired for distribution because, um, and, and actually, I read in Screen International that you know buyers have been fighting over it, so it must be an audience film. Yeah, it's de- it's, it's it's one of the most audience, other than maybe a couple of the American ones we've seen. It's probably one of the most audience sort of friendly. Friendly films you've seen, um, yeah, it's decent. It's very good. As I say, one of my favourites. Um, I don't, I don't know if it'd win on certain regard, um, but uh, I don't know if it's as sort of unusual enough or interesting enough for that. But we'll see. It's, it's one of my favourites. Cool, cool. What's it called? Vacolder. Vacolder. I guess it's yeah, it's with the German link. I guess the W is pronounced V. So yeah, I'm guessing it's Vacolder rather than Wackolder. Cool. So Vacolder, we're going to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Oh God, there's another one I haven't seen, but I'll let you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you guys chat about something. Yeah. I'll get back to that. Problem was, I think Dave went off on his own and watched about ten thousand. Yeah, films. I watched a lot of films. I'm a bit of a monster. Uh, we, we watched uh, Apaches. If anyone wants to start, chat about that, I don't know if you guys ever watched anything else between those t- <laughs> Apaches and. Uh, we did well. We've got called? only God forgives, but that's going to. That be was it. after Apaches. Okay, so Apaches. Let's yeah, let's talk about. I'll talk about Apache, and you can talk about God, Only God yeah, Forgives. There's another film I saw before. That <laughs> okay, hard. but yeah, Dave, you're boring. <laughs> um, um, so, the Apaches is a French drama. I can't even speak. I've been listening to you that long. Um, I can't even remember the film. What was what was the Apaches? It's not Apaches. Kind of it's set on the island. It's set Teenagers. Set on Corsica. For holiday island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Teenagers in Corsica, something goes wrong. They sneak into the car. Okay, yeah, so basically, um, um, Apaches is about. Um, it starts off, and we see this uh, Muslim family who are um, sort of caretakers to this to this family, and they're cleaning the garden and sorting out their pool. And it's a holiday home that they rent out to people. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, so, we, we, so we're introduced to these characters, um, and then it cuts to a little bit later on and that and the and the, the, the father and the boy the, with the caretakers. The boy is having this party and he's inviting all his friends to this house. Um so they're sort of broken in broken in essentially and having a, a pool party. They get drunk, they smoke a few things. Um and then ultimately what happens is they end up burgling the house. Like sort of against his wishes, you know, he feels his friends are taking advantage of the situation, taking the piss a little bit. They they steal loads of things and then leave. 
Nothing of great value. Nothing of great yeah. value, yeah. Like cheap hi-fis, random DVDs, just token things that they steal. Mm. Um, but actually, this has got slightly bigger repercussions than you'd imagine because the family take it very seriously. And what you realise is, is that there must be some sort of real estate agent, clearly not a legit one, mm. who feels responsible because yeah. he's sold this house as being safe. And he's clearly, in the very short scene, they make it very clear that he's some sort of... Not mafiosa as such, no, but, but he's like, runs the town. Run, exactly, of sorts. And he says, don't worry about it, I will sort it out. And, you know, it is barely nothing. And he does end up sorting it out. It doesn't take long for it all to be figured out and who it is. And the boy ends up giving the bag back, all the stuff, and it's got nothing in it. You know, but like I say, other than a few sort of worthless items. Cheap hi-fi and some DVDs. Yeah, and the kid gives it back. So then the kid and all his friends are a little bit worried. And now, like, okay, it's been sorted out. But then, a sort of, then there's one comment which then ignites the rest of the film, and that is um, of the you know the, the sort of husband, I suppose, of the, the house of the household, and he says, um, "Where are the guns?" And if we, if we hadn't read the synopsis before, and it would have been pretty shocking, you know, it would have been, yeah. been, been a bit of a surprise um, in that. Okay, so these guns have gone missing. So the kids clearly have guns, and. The film then deals with this sort of this not we keep saying like a gang, but it's not as strong as that. But them getting the guns back, and then there's ki- these kids. There's three of them, three, four, four of them yeah. in the main. Four of them end up being the sort of core group who have these guns. What are they going to do? One of them in particular doesn't want to get rid of the give the guns back because he's they're all poor, and there's a huge immigration sort of theme that runs throughout. He's Romanian, and he's poor, and he wants to, it's his chance to get rich, because these are like classic, yeah. classic guns. There's a big class thing going on in the film in general, because there's, there's the rich sort of householders who rent out the cottages, there's your rich sort of people coming on holiday, and then you've got your poor working class who are just cleaning pools and all this sort of shit. Yeah, and there's like loads, you know, there kind of loads of references to the to kind of the dirty immigrants and yeah. oh, don't speak to them, they're Portuguese, and it's that course because it's sort of like, you know, this sort of it's like a, part whirl, of, a whirlpool of yeah, of exactly. like racial and class hatred. Yeah. Um, but that's, I would say that is a quite a small theme that bubbles underneath and not mm. necessarily a big one. Although no, it, it does drive it's some action. It's clearly important, but it doesn't make a big deal. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously we don't want to ruin it, but it sort of then escalates um, of how these group of friends then deal with it. Um, what did I think of the film? Um, I thought it was all right from beginning to end, and I know all three was have slightly different ver- yeah. opinions of this. So in a way, it, so my me, I suppose the most balanced view, which is quite surprising. But I thought it was all right. I thought it was, um, you know, it was it was. Cl- it's, I think it's a directorial debut. I think it's quite clear, um, you know. But everything's relatively solid. It's kind of well performed. It's clearly using non actors. It's clearly improvised, um, but the, it kind of pulls it off. The camera work isn't spectacular. It isn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't kind of... It works. And yeah. it's fun, quite functional. Um, the plot is quite interesting, but it does have its moments of lack of class, I suppose. Um, and it ends up getting a bit silly with with what happens. I mean, we don't want to ruin it, do we? We don't want to give no, any spoilers no. away. So it's difficult without... But ultimately, I think it does get a bit... I mean, I didn't mind, because I didn't think the film was great, so I wasn't losing anything, but it did get a bit silly and a bit unbelievable um, towards the end. But yeah, for me, it's just sort of... Uh, it's all right, you know? Kind of en- yeah. kind of en- enjoyed it, which is... I mean, I'm, I'm not a million miles from me. I, I think I liked... For me, I liked the film a lot in the first sort of 
half, two thirds, maybe. Uh, but it's when there's this, there's a sort of a key, uh, there's a key sort of event, sort of turning point in the film, kind of thing towards the middle, sort of end. Well, well, there's de- a, mainly there's a big one closer towards the end that really I just didn't buy, and I was like, the characters wouldn't do that. It, it doesn't. It, not not necessarily it doesn't even well it didn't really make sense but it, it didn't feel justified and it, it kind of spoiled it for me because I I quite liked the the build up before I quite I liked the naturalistic style the sort of natural performances um, and as I say I, I I found this even though it's quite under the surface I found the sort of issues um, uh, the issues with the class and immigration all that sort of stuff quite an interesting sort of. Uh, quite an interesting world, an interesting idea. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the end turned it turned sort of into something else, which wasn't expected and didn't feel justified. And again, it sort of it veered the film away from these sort of interesting aspects that I thought they'd develop a bit further. And 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 it just sort of disappointed me by the end. But uh, as I say, I think there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, it just it just didn't quite capitalise on it. Yeah, James, I think you... Well, I, I didn't react well to this film. I, I didn't like it um, at all, really, until until the finale, until the final 20 minutes, which is was surprising after the, after the screening because these guys were pretty much the opposite. But listening to the discussion now, um, I think the themes, the ideas and the conflicts within the film... Um, are all the ingredients that would have made an absolutely, you know, cracking debut, I think, if had they been presented more coherently. Because I felt somewhat lost. The film was shot in a very realistic, improvised way. Um, very naturalistic performances. And as such, a lot of the conversations happened quickly and characters talking over one another. And as a consequence, I lost, I think, certain details about characters, which, about characters' cultural identities, which didn't allow me to, to put all of the ingredients together when I first viewed the film. I think if I were to see it again, which I probably won't, then it may, it, it, then it may resonate better for me. But I found it too naturalistic and and furthermore i think that the characters particularly the teenage characters around which the film focused um <clears throat> some of them looked too similar and I racist w- right. well no 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 but you basically got three you got you got three or four teenage lads that were all had dark hair and they all Looked very similar. Similar and, builds, and no, to the to the point where to the point where I, the fatty. I, I didn't know which character was which, was which for a, for about the first half of the film when they were when they were calling each other by name. I wasn't sure who was who, and and that basically I felt I felt the film was slightly incoherent because of the naturalism employed by the director. I think the themes are great. I think when it all congealed into a climax, there was real drama there. And I think had I been on board earlier on in the film, I think it would have had a significant impact because I think you know these are these are important and relevant issues. We're in a globalized community. We're in a we're in an era where economies tight and wealth distribution is is um, unbalanced. Is unbalanced, and uh, we're all facing this these challenges of having to live w- with people in close proximity to people 
with whom you know we don't necessarily understand their cultural background we don't necessarily understand you know what their families have been through and yet we're having to live together and work together and and you know uh, solve solve problems together. So I think so. I think it was c- could have been a really really cracking yeah, debut. Bit of a missed but, opportunity. But for me, exactly, it was a missed opportunity, and it was and it was slightly incoherent for the for the first first yeah. hour. Cool. Can I, I'm going to quickly talk about one before we Make get it into only God forgives and um, Levi Dadell. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's still a few more. To yeah, talk we've got about. two big but, ones to chat about. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I also saw uh, earlier that day um, Muhammad Ali's greatest fight. Uh, this is Stephen Frears film uh it is about uh, muhammad ali's the court case for muhammad ali um when he tried to he was supposed to be drafted into the vietnam war uh and he refused uh on religious grounds he was saying that um he's a he's a muslim and he does in his religion uh doesn't allow him to uh like harm other people didn't allow allow him to um, fight wars um and basically that that is put to the supreme court so the film is just the supreme court side of things it's the the end of this sort of case which has been sort of lingering for a while um so it, it doesn't actually uh feature muhammad ali himself that much um what it does, because um, it's a strange film, because uh, what it does, it's um, it's a reenactment. It's based on obviously on true events, but it's it's, it's all done as a reenactment as a film, as as a, uh, as a drama. Uh, but what it does is that it does occasionally mix uh, that with documentary footage of Muhammad Ali at the time, uh, talking about maybe talking about things that are vaguely sort of links that are linked to the case. It does discuss the case occasionally, but some of the time it's just showing him fight or what have you. But really, the 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 crux of the story and stuff is 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 separate from him it's sort of out of his hands um so really it's about the the sort of i, I don't know enough about american politics to probably use the right words but there's this sort of main oh, how many i think there's the 10 no there's eight eight of the sort of um uh, of these sort of high high supreme court judges that between the eight of them they have to decide uh on on the, on the ruling basically um, so it's really a little bit like Twelve Angry Men, where you've got um, uh, you've got you've got one dissenting voice that's trying to talk the other people into uh, into letting uh, letting him sort of have his way and not have to go into the army. Sounds good. It sounds good. Um, it's very interesting story. Uh, a very interesting part of Muhammad Ali's life, which isn't well told. I mean, I'd heard about the draft thing before. I didn't know much about it. I don't think the court case itself is that. Well documented, um, so yeah, very interesting subject matter, but it is really, really poorly presented. Very poorly presented. It, it again, like like Sheila Straw, I was shocked that this was at the festival. Um, I mean, it's not in competitions out of competition at least, but it, it was just. Well, I think it is a TV movie. It's a HBO film, uh, so it's made for TV. But at the same time, HBO produced some incredibly good stuff. And this just felt like a, a TV, a very sort of bog standard TV movie uh, in terms of not in terms of the look of it. It looked very bland. The performances, the performances were quite. Even though it had quite a good cast. It had a solid cast of sort of decent character actors and stuff. You've got, uh, you, and you had some big names in there. You got like Danny Glover in there, um, Frank Langella and stuff like that. Uh, but the performances were quite weak and bland and the just film was just so lifeless. I mean, it's an interesting story, but there was no drama. 
I think it could have worked a lot better as it's just a straight up documentary, to be honest. Who was playing Muhammad Ali? Nobody, as I say, that was documentary footage. Um, because he wasn't, because he wasn't there. It's was all just a Supreme Court sort of debate. Uh, he wasn't in court, sort of arguing his case. So they, the filmmakers, and thankfully so, because as I say, the performances were quite weak. I think having someone having it up pretending to be Muhammad Ali would have been embarrassing because um, he's such a unique character. I think it's, it's. I mean, obviously they made the Will Smith film, didn't they? But. Um, uh, yeah, so thankfully they didn't. They just have documentary footage of him occasionally uh, in in the film. But no, he's really poor. Very disappointing. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say don't, on that, really. Don't watch it. Yeah, don't watch <laughs> Read it. Read about it. Speaking instead. of films not to watch, let's get on to Only God Forgives. Yes. Mm. Who to start? Because... Well, I'm talking all the time. Uh... All right, and James, you can start, but you can't <laughs> speak shit for an hour. I won't. James has a habit of reading insane... As you're about to find out... We've been been debating this film in great length over the last few days. James, you've got to be quick and economic. I'm going to be be brief. (laughs) Okay, Nicholas Windig Refn's new film, Only God Forgives, starring Ryan Gosling. A follow-up to Drive, which, incidentally, I have not seen, which I'm ashamed to say. Um, But I was really excited about this film. This film was... Definitely one of the hottest tickets in town in this year's Cannes. Posters of it everywhere. People fighting all over the street to get tickets for the, <laughs> for the premiere. They were when I walked out of the pa- when I walked out of Palais. There was like those mobs of people trying to get tickets for this. It was you know this is the one to beat. Yeah, yeah whatever. It was it the premiere basically sank like a brick it was booed apparently at the premiere and um with with a small pocket of cheers going up in the corner in the corner of it the was booed at the first yeah. screening not the oh the, not at the gala premiere it was the, not the gala there's just to clarify there's two week premieres it's got a premiere but that's at eight in the morning the, all the films all the competition films that's officially the, the premiere the first screening but the premieres what everyone knows them as are the evening ones but it's played three or four times during the day and it was booed at the the first ever screening in the morning, but it wasn't booed. Oh, right. Yeah. At the main one, I think it was booed a bit, but the standing, you know, the stand, standing ovation wins out. Like Apaches, whenever I mentioned Apaches, was booed a little bit. Yeah. But um, ultimately, the, the the ovation wins out. Sorry, just to clarify that. So yeah. Anyway, so, only God forgives. What was it about? So okay. So this film, this film is about um, an American mafioso family in Thailand, where the mother is the kingpin, and she has two sons. And the two sons run an illegal, well, presumably illegal, um, boxing... No, no, un- the, the boxing's the, not illegal, it's the drugs that... that okay, okay, fine. So, so, so the two sons, the two sons, Ryan Gosling and someone else, basically run this boxing uh, ring. And they get, you know, young Thai lads to come and have boxing fights. And there's gambling that goes on around the boxing. Um, <clears throat> drug dealing. They're drug dealers. They're drug dealers. Yeah. It's, a drug de- yeah. it's a drug dealing racket. It's a front for a drug dealing racket. Okay. Basically. This is irrelevant to the rest of the story. <laughs> and, um, Good, you are brief. <laughs> sorry. Uh, long story short, one of the brothers is a nutcase. And he goes out one night hunting for teenage prostitutes 
Um, he can't get the 14-year-old that he wants, so he goes on a rampage around the streets. He picks up a girl, he picks up a prostitute, presumably has sex with her, and then murders her in a, in a Thai brothel. Okay, that's the start of the story. Everything that follows is a consequence of that murder, because... Um, the daughter of this prostitute, the son, the father of this <laughs> prostitute, the father of this prostitute is brought in by the Thai police once they've apprehended this this uh, Caucasian guy, and um, is locked in a room with him. Say, do whatever you want, do whatever you want to this guy. Um, he kills him. The brother, the the Ryan Gosling's brother, is killed for his crimes, and the rest of the film is pretty much a revenge fantasy um, about. Christian Scott Thomas, the mafioso kingpin who runs the drug cartel, uh, wanting to get revenge for her favourite son's death. And she not only wants to uh, get revenge from the prostitute's father, but she also wants to get her revenge on the policeman uh, that put him up that to her son's... Happen, yeah. yeah, that allowed it to happen. Um, it's a reven- So it's a revenge fantasy thriller. Um it might be a masterpiece. I loved it. It has no basis in reality. Much of the film takes place with very deliberate, slow motion, throbbing, um, terrifying soundtrack, drenched in red, flickering neon lights, you know, threatening stares across rooms, there's virtually no dialogue. Every single line of dialogue that exists is purely in service to the <coughs> next to the next um, uh, act of revenge. There's not much going on in terms of characterization. These people are pure and simple, either killers or, um, you know, paedophiles or drug lords or aggressive fighters. They're one-dimensional characters. But the whole thing is a mood piece, and it is absolutely drenched with atmosphere. And if you can sit there in a cinema screen with a gigantic sound system and an incredibly large screen, and you sat right in the middle of a dark room, you can get lost in this film because it has this throbbing undercurrent of threat and fear and violence punctuated by moments of cartoonish gore that have a a veneer of artifice in them which is echoed by you know the 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 cheap prostitutes that populate this film that are covered in cheap garish fluorescent makeup and 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 um you know, polyester dancing clothes. It's it's a great film. It's tons of atmosphere, loads to just admire by the pure experience. Story, none there. Characterization, nothing. You know, and but it's fantastic. It's, it's everything I wanted to watch, and I, and I sat there and had a wonderful experience. I came out of the film thinking that was cool as anything. I'd love to own it and watch it again. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. It might be end up being the worst decision I ever made because virtually everyone else <laughs> hated it. So I'll <laughs> let the other guys give their opinion. Um, yeah, it's weird because you said that if you watch it with a gigantic sound system and a gigantic screen, then you'll love it. It's pure cinema. But I watched it on a gigantic screen sound system <laughs> and I thought it was fucking abysmal. <laughs> um, what I will say is, I mean, I've seen Drive and I really didn't like Drive. Um, 
I thought it was all style and no substance. Well, it is all no style and no substance. That's not a subjective statement. That is fact. Um, but some people, you know, the kind of mood of the piece is very powerful. Some of the sequences are very good, and it's quite tight. And, you know, I, I can sort of see it. I don't, I don't quite get it um, because, you know, but that's just not my thing. But this film takes that onto another fucking level. Um, it, it, I mean... In a weird way, we could say the same things, but just have a different opinion of it. Um, it's just, it, I just found it, like, painfully, painfully indulgent. Um, it's just, it's sort of really, like, it reminds me of Tarantino, I think we've had this chat, it reminds me of Kill Bill in a sense, that he steals sort of scenes and shots and ideas from other films, it's quite, you know, this, you know... So these, all these disparate things kind of thrown in to create this sort of new, his version of that. Um, so it, so it comes across as unoriginal, it's bland, it's derivative, there's, no, there's nothing to it. The difference between, you know, I don't like Kill Bill either, but at least that's got a lot of fun and it's got energy, and it does still have creativity in it. This has no, nothing, it has nothing. Um, it is, for for what is, in essence, this sort of gratuitous sort of violent... Cat, you know, almost like Itchy the Killer, but played uh, an eighth of the speed. <laughs> Everything is incredibly slow. The characters are so stiff. There's no emotion there. And it's you can tell what the director's told them to, but it's just bad. Yeah. Like the copper and Ryan Gosling in particular, those two. They're, they're stiff. The, the way they walk, the walk in slow motion, the arms couldn't be stiffer. It's, yeah. it's like, I mean, I love like films like... I, I don't know if this is what they're going for, but you go back to things like... Uh, uh, like Clint Eastwood or something like in uh, in the Fistful of Dollars films, it's like he doesn't say much, he doesn't emote that much, but he's really cool and he's badass and that, and stuff. But and I guess the game, I imagine the game is something similar to that, but it doesn't work. It's just pure emptiness and just like soulless. Whereas at least I don't know, you have this sort of you have this glint in like Clint Eastwood's eye or something. You have this sort of mean sort of quality. You don't even have a, a meanness to these characters. They're just nothing. But there yeah, was something. They're they were, honestly, but I think that was the point. I, th- I think that it was clearly a deliberate artistic decision. These clearly, car- yeah. These human beings portrayed on this film are almost... They're not human. They're all, well, exactly. They almost look like dolls, like puppets being yeah. put on but there by a puppet master. Why is that a good thing? Well, I, well, I think it just looks like bad acting. I think this is a film about form, about 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 um, manipulating the the form of cinema and the way that the characters are. But it's been done before. Like, this has been done before, but the actors can't do it. American Psycho. The idea is that it's emotionless and it's quite still. No, like Dave mentioned about Clint Eastwood. There's loads of examples. Yeah, I think he's trying to take it to its absolute yeah, but the limit, actors aren't good enough. Work. It doesn't. They're just stiff, and it doesn't help that. The, the writing is bad, especially in terms of the development of Ryan Gosling's character. He's sort of still and he's emotionless and he's very stiff in, in his movement. But he's got no movement with I mean, he's got no dramatic movement within his character. It doesn't quite make his story, which drives it, doesn't quite make sense. It's like he's fighting to be this warrior that his mum clearly wants him to be, but he can't do it. And then, well, we won't give the ending away, but so it's just this, it's just dramaticless, emotionless, weightless. It's just watching these bollocks images that we've kind of seen before. The violence isn't even very good. If there was these sequences of pure sort of torture or ultra-violence, like It's the Killer, or like Kill Bill, then it'd be like... But it isn't, it's pretty blunt. But I I I think the notion that he had the aesthetic is this... This, he has this motif throughout the film where at least three times there is a, a scene takes place in a car- in a Thai 
karaoke bar, which is very, very artificial and has that cheap, tacky quality that you associate with karaoke music. People that can't sing attempting to sing a song that was once great. We know what karaoke and, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it has this kind of stilted grotesquery about karaoke music, doesn't it? And the whole film was trying to emulate this stilted grotesquery. And I think he's I making... I say karaoke is stilted. It's flamboyant, massive, and... Yeah, well, but the way it was presented with tinny background track and, and a tuneless flat singer who can't approximate the, the, yeah, no, the he melody. He was actually a very good singer in the film. But, but, but I think I think you know <laughs> well, this whole right. this whole this whole this whole thing about you know karaoke and artifice and grotesquerie that surrounds that kind of cheap nasty copying and derivation and emulation which is what karaoke is is a theme repeated throughout the film yeah the film is, is, is a, what a nasty is, is, cheap, is, is, cheap yeah. tacky little exactly thing, I yeah. think and I think he's so, trying but think instead it, of being like a big cheesy version of it it's a very I think, slow pretentious version of yeah. it yeah but I think he's making his actors That's perform in a stilted way and deliver lines in a stilted way to approximate the grotesquery of this no, of, of, no. of the constant copying of violent images we see in cinema no we go, you're giving we, the film way we too go to watch action films all the time to watch people get chopped up and obliterated and stuff and he's saying you know this is what happens when you copy something again and again and again it becomes <laughs> this grotesque <laughs> puppet show and that's exactly what he's trying to do with his performance and it's just magnificently <laughs> you are Unusual you speak so much shit. <laughs> so I mean, I, I, I he wanted to. It was. He's, he's admitted he treats it like pornography. He, treat, he treats po- filmmaking like pornography, and there is there is no intelligence behind this. There is no depth behind this. There is no thought going into this other than cr- what he thinks is crafting. You know, violent pornography. That's well. That's, that's the intention, and he yeah. fails miserably. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I keep. I've been jumping in, but I haven't given my thoughts because my thoughts. Because, uh, like you know, Darren, Darren said he'd, he'd seen Drive. He hated it. I saw Drive. I liked it quite a lot. I had a few little problems. I had a few problems with the presentation. Uh, but for me, like Drive, Drive takes the action thriller and strips it back and strips it back. And I love it. I, lo- I love films that do that. Um, it strips it back to its core. It's got a very basic sort of story and all this. So in a way, I was really excited by this. And this seems like it's doing the same it's sort of stripping it back but it almost strips it back too far so there's no sort of there's no sort of basis in reality and there's nothing left it's not the reality that bothers me i don't give a shit drive isn't realistic it's more like drive at least had some emotion maybe not emotional weight but it had like carrie mulgard's character was a character you could relate to it had some sort of like a little bit of warmth in there. It had enough story to sort of be quite engaging. And it, it, it meant, I think as well, with that little semblance of a story and with, with some characters you could relate to and actually care about, it meant sort of... What's uh, uh, the actor's name again? My brain's totally gone. Ryan, Ryan right, yeah. It meant Ryan Gosling's sort of mission, or whatever you want to call it, in Drive was... It was when it kicked off in Drive and he started getting revenge in that he's like yeah he's like yeah fucking you kill those bad guys and all this sort of stuff you were behind it it was exciting it's thrilling whereas this is so soulless and everyone in the film is sort of nasty and unpleasant and unlikable and and it's just you don't you just don't i just didn't give a shit about it and it is just as it was stunningly beautiful i mean the shot it was it looks incredible 
I, I've not seen many films look that good. And I'd agree with James. Yeah, the atmosphere is is is, is pretty cool. I like the soundtrack and stuff like that. Um, similarly to Drive, that looked amazing. The sound design and stuff was 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 great. But it just there was nothing else there for me to grab onto. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I mean, even like I mean, I love violent films, but like I think we mentioned this a bit briefly earlier. It's like the the, the violent scenes weren't even that that exciting or like this. I mean, they were they were unpleasant. They were nasty. There's some nasty shit going on in the film, but. Uh, but not, but they weren't necessarily like exhilarating or like exciting, or it was just sort of brutal and unpleasant. And it's this whole film was just a bit seedy, and then yeah, I mean, it's dull. also it's just dull. Was the main thing, as, as I was saying, everything was was, was how, played in slow you, motion. It was you, it was because everything was slow. Every and not even necessarily using a slow motion like high frame rate and shooting it in slow motion it was just the scene the normal scenes the actors fucking Ryle Gosling walks yeah. slowly his arms he pick up something really slowly and it's just it it felt like he was taking the piss because I mean that happened a bit in Drive and that did bother me a bit in Drive like the performances doing everything slowly it was just a bit it was a bit wanky basically but here it took it to the extreme Every, everything in the film was deliberately slow and it it was just frustrating. And then you can see the process, you know, because yeah. it looks beautiful. You can see, you know, Refin, all he's thinking about is how do I make this look beautiful? They're not thinking about anything else. You can see the actors acting. You can see them, you know, almost doing a workshop on moving really slowly and walking really slowly. You can see the sort of artifice of it. And you can now, from that little comment, you probably come up with some bullshit about, yeah, he's, he's shown you the construction of filmmaking and... Uh, <laughs> You know, you can cut whatever reason. No, but it's just bad. It's just bad acting. It's just bad direction. It's bad writing. It's bad storytelling. Oh my! But amazing cinematography. If you if you want well, if you want to have a different experience from the type of experience you normally have in a cinema, go and watch this and, and make <laughs> and make your own mind up. Just explore it and see. Dive in. It also has one of the worst. It doesn't have much dialogue, but the dialogue that is in it is fucking abysmal as well. It is abysmal. There was one. I mean, we all disagree. I mean. I think I'm sitting on my own. I mean, um, Kristen Scott Thomas is getting a bit of buzz, and I think she's abysmal. She in, normally she'd probably be quite a fun character. She's this sort of like two-dimensional pantomime villain, um, and she'd probably be quite fun. But it just does, doesn't sit well in this slow motion, soulless sort of downbeat film. Um, and she, just like, you know, having this conversation about the um, Ryan Gosling's introducing the, his new girlfriend to his mom and his mom. This sort of, sort of wrapped in bitterness, really, and she's not not very pleasant. And she's talking about how amazing the first so her first son is, who's dead, and and she says, um, you know, Ryan Gosling's character doesn't like him because Billy's got a bigger cock than he does, and it's just fucking painful. It really is. But anyway, anyway that's um, only God forgives. That's the the biggest film we can so far. Um, but this is getting long. We've got to go out tonight. We're gonna yeah. have a few more. We've got a few We've more. We've watched fun- more films. But we'll talk about those later. Yeah, and um, and you know maybe we'll just do one more and add every, you know the rest of the films that we get to see, or you know we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, there you go. It's been great fun so far. It's not been as bad as previous years, but it hasn't reached any highs. Of you previous say years. that, but uh, although it's probably a few films that you haven't seen, but to be honest, this year I think there's been four films that have been that I've really disliked, and I'm and I'm quite a. I'm quite a uh, like anything. A, I like a lot of films. I'm, I'm quite a lenient reviewer, but to be honest, I think there's four films that I would class as like one or two star, like pretty shit films. Okay, so I've I, not seen yeah. them. 
Except Omni God Forgive. But anyway, we'll talk about those. Well, I've already talked about a lot of those already, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Although another one that we saw today by a certain Alexander that was, Payne. That was one of the... Oh, no, no. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, uh, but we'll chat about that next time. Okay, so, um, yeah, see you later. 